I think I'm almost due for my second shot. I'm, I'm going to talk to the elders about whether or not I need to wear a mask after I get my second shot. I'm hopefully, after having COVID and then having two vaccinations, I hope I'm pretty safe. Yeah, well, who knows? I'm going to do whatever the school tells me to do because they pay my check. And I think that they want the confidence that their teachers are not going to be infecting the students. And so uh, I'm not, I personally am not too worried about it. Um, and uh, and I'm, I'm going to take the vaccination, even though the first one made me pretty sick. But I suspect that that might have something, and this is just my suspicion, but I think that might have something to do with the fact that I already had COVID. And, uh, and that just for 24 hours, it felt like I had COVID again. But then it went almost instantly away with, within 24 hours. So good deal. All right. Well, as per usual, I have way more to communicate to you than I can possibly get communicated so we're going to, uh, we're just going to tackle what we can and, and uh, cover what we can. Uh, I specifically have selected uh, not that many verses, and I'm going to concentrate in particular on three of these verses as we uh, look into God's Word. Now, if you've forgotten where we started, uh, we're trying to fully understand the context of 2 Chronicles 7.14, which is very famous, often quoted, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Um, so that is the context that we are looking for and studying. And we have learned so many things. Uh, for me, it's been a great time in God's word, and I hope that it has been good for you as well. So with that little bit of introduction, we are going to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and begin re reading in verse 32 this morning. As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm, when they come and pray towards this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place, do whatever the foreigner asks of you, so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, as do your own people Israel, and may know that this house I have built bears your name. When your people go to war against their enemies, wherever you send them, and when they pray to you towards this city you have chosen, and the temple I have built for your name, then hear from your heaven their prayer and their plea and uphold their cause. And when they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them, give them over to the enemy who takes them captive to a land far away or near. And if they have a change of heart in the land where they are held captive and repent and plead with you, in the land of their captivity, and say, We have sinned, we have done wrong and acted wickedly, and if they turn back to you with all their heart and soul in the land of their captivity, where they are taken 
and pray toward the land you gave your ancestors, towards the city you have chosen, and toward the temple I have built for your name. Then from heaven, your dwelling place, hear their prayer and the pleas, and uphold their cause, and forgive your people who have sinned against you. <sighs> it's building up to a crescendo. Can you, can you, can you feel it building up? The fire, David, is about to come down. And, uh, and it's going to be exciting when we look at that. But let's, uh, let's look specifically at, at a couple verses in here. I'm not going to go verse by verse today, but I'm going to uh, specifically look at a couple of verses. We're going to start with the concept that we find in verse 33. And this is what it says. He talks about the foreigner in verse 32. Um, how many of you know that that be us? Right? I, I, I've met, I've only known, I've only, um, now I've gone to some conferences that had, you know, Jews for Jesus and, uh, and have enjoyed those very much. They're excellent. Uh, I've listened to some of Jonathan Kahn. I, anybody ever hear of uh, Jonathan Kahn? I have some friends in, in Bible study several years ago, and, and they said, you've got to read this, Jonathan. You've got to read The Harbinger. And uh, so I, I tried to check out Jonathan Kahn, and, and he is a converted Jew, and he is a pretty powerful minister. I, I was looking for a movie last night, uh, a little romantic comedy in Walmart, and I noticed that, that, that The Harbinger was on the shelf next to the movies. Harbinger too, and so he's still writing books, but uh, but he's I've I've only personally worshipped on a regular basis with one Jewish individual, and that was back in my college days. The vast majority of us are do not have Jewish heritage. J Dub, you don't have any Jewish heritage, do you? Yeah, <laughs> my dad got some hearing aids one time. Uh, and, uh, and the gentleman who was taking, adjusting his hearing aids was Jewish. I don't know how I found out he was Jewish, but I somehow found out he was Jewish. And so uh, making conversation, I said, do you know what tribe you're from? And David, he poked out his chest. He says, I am from the tribe of Benjamin. <laughs> I found that quite interesting. He, he knew his heritage. And... Uh, and, and Jewish people, many of them have tried to track their heritage and keep track of where their families came from and, 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 and go back as far as they can, clear to biblical times, you know, where did their family line up. And that's all going to play a factor in the future. I am not Jewish. The majority of people that I minister to are not Jewish. We all would fall under this category of foreigners. We are not Israelites. I am an American. I fly an American flag, or my wife flies an American flag. When, it, when the wind blows it up and it gets caught on a nail, I gently take it off the nail and put it back down. And when it gets tore, I, uh, I don't know. Chris does a pretty good job of keeping a pretty good flag up there. But, uh, but we have an American flag flying in, in front of our house. Anybody else have an American flag flying? Have we got any Canadians here today? No Canadians today? You North Dakotans are pretty close. 
<laughs> but, but, you, but you still fly American flags in North Dakota, right? I am an American. I am not an, an, I love Israel. I've been to Israel. I encourage people to go to Israel. It's a, a worthy trip. Carolyn's saying amen. Um, you just learn things that you, that, that things come alive uh, when you're in Israel. It's, a, it's an incredible place, and, and, um, and I'm glad to have had the opportunity to go there in my life. But I am not an Israelite. I am a Gentile. I am a foreigner. I think it's very important that Solomon includes the foreigners in the opportunity to worship Yahweh. Anybody else think that's important? Now, look at what he says in, verse, in the second half of verse 33. So that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your own people, Israel. Now, guys, I'm going to tell you from the bottom of my heart and from the depth of the study that I've been able to do on this, I believe with all of my heart that it has always been God's plan to reach out to the entire world. It was the job of Israel to be a testimony of what a blessed nation looked like. It is your job as a New Testament Christian to show people that don't know Christ what a blessed life looks like, what a life of peace and a life of joy, what those things look like, even when you're going through difficulties. that The, the world was supposed to watch Israel and say, hey, there's something about that nation. What's different about that nation? Well, the thing that was supposed to be different about that nation was that they were supposed to have a relationship to Yahweh. The thing that's supposed to be different about you is you have a friend in Jesus Christ. You claim as Christians to personally know Jesus Christ and be indwelt with His Holy Spirit. You have a relationship to the Father. And it has always been God's plan, always been God's plan, that the world would know who He is. And His method of doing that is, is reaching out in relationship to a nation, building a church, and, and indwelling the lives of individual believers. And he intends for all of us, the Jews, the church, individual Christians, and I will even tell you biblically speaking, and I'll show you where in the Bible you can find this, but even the angelic beings play a role in communicating God's good news. How many of you believe with all of your heart that the opportunity to spend an eternity with God, blessed forever, with no pain, no suffering, no sorrow, no death, no separation, that that's good news. Does that sound like good news to anybody? Is that worthy of telling people that are in despair? 
And it's our job. It was Israelites' job. It's the church's job. It's individual Christians' job. And even angels work towards that end because they do whatever God tells them to do. And I believe that Israel, the church, and the angels are the majority of the kingdom. Now, I think the kingdom might include some other things that I'm, you know, you got cherubim and seraphim and uh, you, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, mind has not conceived the things which God have prepared for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I'm not sure I know everything that's out there, but those three things I'm pretty confident biblically are a part of the kingdom. Israel, the church, and angels. Would you agree with me? All parts of the kingdom. The problem is, every once in a while, I think Israel struggled with this. I think the church sometimes struggles with this. We forget that our mission is to be about communicating the good news to the people outside the walls. Isn't that a struggle for us? Do you see that, that they, they began to, Israel began to look kind of inward? That's kind of human nature, isn't it? To kind of look in, in and say, well, what can I do for me? When really God intends for us to be looking out and say, what can I do for them? What can I do for those people that are out there? What can I do for those people that are outside of the fellowship? I don't know if any of you uh, ever had the opportunity to participate in a, in a, Bible, a film Bible study series. It, there, I believe it would have been in the 90s that uh, Ray Vanderlaan uh, put together with the help of Focus on the Family a Bible study series set in Israel entitled That the World May Know. That the World May Know. And I think you find that in other places of Scripture, but you certainly see it in this text of Scripture. So that all the peoples of the earth may know your name. That the world may know. God did something very unique in that nation. So many things that we look at in the Bible took place in that geographic location. And I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but it really is kind of in the center of things. Have you noticed that? I mean, if you talk about the Far East and Africa and Europe and, and what's kind of right in the middle of all that, Israel. God put it literally at the crossroads of the known world at the time. And and it's still the eyes, it's the size of New Jersey. How can it have so much significance in our world? Uh, I heard one person that had a theory about this. He believed that God's love and Satan's attacks all centered on the same geographic location. But God did some amazing things in Israel. And for many, many, many years in Israel, there was a temple that stood on that temple mount. And this is the dedication of the first temple. And 
and he says, God, do whatever the foreigner asks you. You know, as we've gone through this study and we've looked at some of the things that are super important, if I'm a foreigner and I'm going to come to this to this temple and I'm going to ask God for anything, what are you going to ask Him for? More money? More time? Do you think possibly that the top of the list would be number one, have mercy on me. Number two, may I be in line for your grace. Grace and mercy are different concepts. I don't have time to develop them, but they're, 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 they're very different concepts. One person said it like this. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Any of you, um, any of you ever get stopped by a cop? I was driving, uh, J-Dub, I was driving my Jeep to work the other day. I try to drive my Jeep at least once a month. I, I really should drive it once a week. But, you know, I'm one of those people that think the, the oil needs to circulate in the motor a little bit. And so uh, those things that sit around in your garages, uh, they, they can go downhill pretty fast. Uh, Larry, you've got to get that plane up and in the air once in a while, right? So anyway, I'm, I'm in my Jeep, and I've owned this Jeep since it was brand new, or my family's company has owned the Jeep since it was brand new. I, I drove it out of the parking lot. I think it had 18 miles on it. When I was on my way home in the Jeep, it wouldn't go the speed limit. Brand new Jeep. Brand new Jeep. And so I'm cruising on my way to work. The speed limit is 65. And, uh, and a cop pulls behind me and, and he says, do you know, you know the question? Do you know how fast you're going? I said, not a clue. He said, you were going 78. I'm like, huh, I didn't know this Jeep would go that fast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try it again. Maybe I can get 80. <laughs> he had to catch me going down a little hill because I'm pretty sure that Jeep does not go that fast. <laughs> but what do we do? When the cop stops us, we ask for mercy. You really deserve a ticket, Right? I'm doing, if I'm, if I'm truly doing 78 and a 65, I mean, 10 miles over, that's criminal offense. I mean, that's a bad deal. They could do bad things to me. It's a pretty expensive ticket. Mercy. Have mercy. Now, now uh, Grace would be like, he doesn't give you the ticket. And then he reaches in his pocket and he says, you know what? I was going to take my wife out to Texas Roadhouse tonight. And I have this $100 gift certificate in my pocket. And you know what? I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm going to give you this, this $100 Texas Roadhouse gift certificate so you can take your wife out instead of me taking my wife out tonight. Now, guys, that's grace. 
Mercy is not getting the ticket. Grace is getting something you absolutely, huh? No, I didn't bribe the cop. The cop gave me the gift. Yeah, that's grace. Let me let me let me put it in spiritual terms. Mercy is you not being condemned to hell. Grace is getting to go to heaven. The glories and splendors of heaven, serving God for an eternity, in absolute absolute perfection getting to walk down the stream that flows from the throne of God that has the tree of life being able to eat from the tree of life and to drink the water of life and to uh, be able to live forever to have a perfect body anybody long for a perfect body you know when we pray for Pastor Keith there's a day coming that he's going to have a perfect body. Now, we don't know if God will heal him in this life or take him home. We don't know. But that's what mercy looks like. I don't know what you would ask for if you came from Africa or you came from Asia or you came from Europe and you came to the temple that Solomon built and ask God for anything. But if I'm the one asking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with two things. Number one, mercy. Number two, grace. And then, Steve, I probably am going to say, and, and Lord, please, please help my children to get to the same place in their life. If I'm going to ask for three things, I think that's the three things that I'm going to, I'm going to ask for those things. I don't know what other people would ask for, but those are the things that I would ask for. That the world may know. Now I'm going to just do a little quick tour and show you that this clearly is a biblical theme. Let me, let me remind you of a couple ones. Uh, one is in John chapter 10. I'm not going to specifically go there, but in John chapter 10, uh, that's where Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. He says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, and they too will listen to my voice, and there will be one shepherd and one sheep pen. Who do you think the other sheep were? Gentiles. Gentiles. Let's take a look at uh, Matthew. Matthew. I didn't put a ribbon there. Let's see if I can put my finger on it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Just one minute. I have to find it before I can tell you. since I didn't put a fancy little silk ribbon there. We're going to start in uh, chapter 22 and verse 9. No point in putting a ribbon there now, right? I'm not going to read this whole parable, 
But this is what's called the parable of the wedding banquet. The king's going to throw a, a wedding party for his son. He said the kingdom's like this. The king's going to throw a party for his son, or a wedding party for his son. How many of you believe that there's a wedding banquet in our future? Anybody? Okay. There is a wedding banquet in our future. And he, Jesus says the kingdom is like this. And if you'll remember, he, he goes out and invites people. And J-Dub, what did those people that he first invited do? They, they all got excuses. They turn him down. They don't want to come to the party. One's got this thing, one's got that thing. And so they turn him down. And then look at verse 9. He said, well, let me read, read verse 8. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. Anyone you find. All right? Um, let's look at, while we're here, just flip over a couple pages to Matthew chapter 24. And verse 14. Now, we studied not this text specifically, but we studied this event, which is the Olivet Discourse in our Bible study a few weeks back on Wednesday from, uh, from Mark's perspective. This is Matthew's perspective, but I, I like the way he says it here, and it's close to our other reference. So in 24.14, it says this, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. If, if you're familiar with Matthew 28, 18, which we often, 18 through 20, we often refer to as the what? The Great Commission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go to all nations, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Oh wait, there's teaching me to obey all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go to all the nations. If you look at Acts, start at Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth. Right? Let's... Uh, I'm going to flip to, there's that reference. There's a couple references that are worthy of note in the book of Revelation, which is the last book in the Bible. Pretty easy to find unless you're in this new Bible like I am. and Then it's so close to the end. I almost need uh, a uh, concordance at the end so I've got room to turn the pages. Does that make sense? Nobody following what I'm saying. I can see. <clears throat> Look at verse uh, chapter 7 of the book of Revelation and verse 9. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne, and and before the Lamb, and they were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. This 
This group is so large that no one can count them, according to John. Okay? Have you ever been in a group that's so large that nobody can count it? I was at Stand in the Gap in Washington, D.C., um, I believe October 4th, 1997. Does that sound right? Open the gates in 98. Pretty sure it was October 4th, 1997 was when Promise Keepers had a, a six-hour event for to pray for our nation and, um, and a rally there. And um, I heard estimates between 750,000 up to 1.2 million. Now, how on earth do you get that big of a discrepancy? <laughs> I mean, that, that's 450,000 people, right? That's the, that's the variation between the, the numbers. I was at the event, literally at the event. I can tell you this, on the mall in Washington, D.C., at one point in time, they asked us to lay prostrate. You know, that's flat layout, face to the ground. There wasn't enough room for everybody to get prostrate. I mean, when you say standing room only, try taking, try going from standing room only to everybody prostrate. I mean, it was like stacking cordwood. That's a, that's a group no one can count. I suspect this group is even bigger, don't you? <laughs> Tonneson says, oh yeah. And, and where do they come from? Every nation, every tribe, every people, every language. Uh, stick with me, just one more. And then we'll get back to our main text. I find this one amazingly fascinating. I think most people, I think most people skip uh, or are just completely unaware of this verse. It, I don't know at what point in time in my life I became aware of it and, and been able to try and envision what this might look like. But it's Revelation chapter 14 and verse 6. Look at this. I find it amazing. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give Him glory, because the hour of His judgment has come. Worship Him who made the heavens, and the earth, and the sea, and the springs of water. Look, Israel, clear back to Solomon's time. Lord, remember the foreigner. The church, what is our job? Proclaim the gospel to the whole world. Starting where you're at, in your region, in your county, in your state, in your section, in your nation, in your world. Your continent, your world. Just Keep progressing out. Take the message out. Take it out. Over and over and over again. The hundred, I didn't, I skipped the 144,000. 
I believe the 144,000 in the book of Revelation, many people believe that what we saw in that one scripture from every tribe and, and nation and tongue, that the 144,000 that are anointed by God, they preach the gospel during the tribulation period. And that's what we call tribulation saints. That's the, the description of tribulation saints. Before Christ came, the message is to go to the whole world. When Christ was here, the message is to go to the whole world. Now, the message is to go to the whole world. After the church is gone and Israel takes center stage again, the message is to go to the whole world. And before judgment comes, an angel flies over the whole world and tells them one more time about the gospel and gives them an opportunity to come to truth before the absolute wrath of God is poured out on this place. Now, the Bible tells us that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As we have gone through the exercise of looking at all those scriptures, I ask you this question. Has God been consistent on this one thing of he wants everybody to know about the gospel? Guys, this is not up for debate. This is absolutely a part of the deal. And every one of us, not just Pastor Keith and Pastor Puccini and Pastor Cecil, every single one of us has the responsibility to give an account of the hope that is within you. And I could go around the room. It's, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, at some point in time, some, I promise you, people are watching you. Even if you're sitting at home, Ken. Yeah. Jenny, even at home, people are watching you. Right, Cheryl? Are people watching you? When, when you're out with your grandson and walking your grandson in, in Phoenix, are they watching you? Yeah. People are watching us. Whether we know it or not, people are watching they're looking to see, how does this Christian handle that? How does this Christian handle death? How does this Christian handle suffering? How does this Christian handle financial crisis? How does this Christian handle savings? How does this Christian handle marriage? How do they handle love? Oh, by the way, guys, it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> Valentine's falls under what's called obligatory romance. Unless they're bailing, no, still obligatory. <laughs> I was talking to one of my coworkers. This is a total aside, but I was talking to one of my coworkers, and uh, and recently her husband uh, had COVID, and he had it pretty bad, and she's trying not to get it, and trying to keep their young children from getting it. And so, during his whole thing of COVID, she's preparing meals, taking him to the master bedroom and sitting at the door. <laughs> and and, uh, and I, 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 we were just chatting uh, last week. She finally came back to work on Thursday. 
and we were chatting, and I said, well, remember, it's Thanksgiving, or I mean, not Thanksgiving, it's Valentine's this weekend. She said, my husband better remember. <laughs> she, said, she said, the whole time he had COVID, I slept on the couch. <laughs> Guys, obli that's obligatory romance. What that means is if you do something, you get absolutely no bonus points because it's expected. If you don't do something, you'd be in the doghouse. <laughs> Except my dog's starting to think he can sleep on the bed, so hey, maybe I'm not so bad. All right. Back to our text. You, you got that one down? Did I, did I convince you that God wants everybody to know? Okay, good. All right, there are a couple other things in here, and they're much shorter. That is by far the the majority of our things. We'll take a couple minutes and look at these uh, other things, but look at verse 36. When they, and he, we're back to your people, okay, when they sin against you, and then look at what Solomon says in verse 36. For there is no one who does not sin. I'm just going to give you I'm not going to turn there. You know them already, but I'm going to give you two other references. This one you may not know. This one's probably new to you, most of you. For there is no one who does not sin. Anybody believe that? Romans says, and Paul put it this way through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Isaiah put it this way, we all like sheep have gone astray. Do you believe that all of us are sinners? It's like the starting point. I mean, it is. how do you know you need a Savior? Because you know that you're a sinner. And Solomon puts it very succinctly, for there is no one who does not sin. It's the whole reason you need a sacrificial system. It's the whole reason you need an overall sacrifice in the person of Jesus Christ. Because we are sinners, and sin must be punished. Blood must be shed to cover the sin. There must be a sacrifice to cover the sin. We are all sinners. This temple, it wasn't just a beautiful place. It was made for sacrifice. And Jesus Christ came to this world to be our ultimate sacrifice. Look at verse 38, and this is our last verse that we're going to focus on. It says that the people have sinned, you've carried them off to a, a different land. It says when they turn back to you with all their heart and soul in the land. How many of you think that that is absolutely key. When they turn back to you with all their heart and soul. The Shema says this, Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Is there anybody else besides me 
get distracted by things in this life. <laughs> Guys, sometimes we need to remove the distractions from our life. Take away those things that so easily entangle us so that we can run the race. You know, when I got ready to run the New York Marathon, I, it, it actually, David, it was a process for me to decide what I was going to wear. I mean, you wouldn't think that that would be that hard of a thing to do, but, but, but that, it's actually a process. I, I, I started with those short little shorts that I had in, in high school. Now, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm in my 30s when I ran the New York Marathon, right? So I'm no longer a, a high school boy. But I started with those short shorts. I'd never run further than 15 miles in high school. I discovered with them short shorts and with my fat body that when my thighs rub together, that's a bad thing. Yeah. In fact, I've never seen anybody in my life before I got to New York take, you remember those tongue depressors? They would take those tongue depressors at the, before the marathon, they'd scoop them in Vaseline, go like this. What were they doing? Yeah. <laughs> they were trying to make that less impact. You run 26 miles, there's a lot of this. Especially if you're a big boy. Look, you don't want to have anything extra when you're running the race. The race, the, typically the race at the New York Marathon is, is uh, a Sunday race. And so we, uh, I ran the race on Sunday and then we, I think we flew home on Tuesday or went Monday. Anyway, this is no joke. When I get home, there's still somebody on the course. Still, I mean, it made the evening news. This person is still running the New York Marathon. You know what the person was running the New York? This is the same year that I ran the New York Marathon. Just a year after 9-11. You know what he was running it in? a 400-pound deep-sea diving suit. And this was his pace. Still running it two days later. He wasn't running, <laughs> but he was, st he was still moving. Okay? You get my point? Guys, there are things in our life that distract us from that which is really, really important. And there's nothing more important in this life than our relationship with our God, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and His precious Holy Spirit that indwells our hearts and souls as followers of His. Amen? Larry, not your plane, not my new quad, not my family's land, not any tractor that I own, not my prize bowl. None of that. None of that's important. Except, number one, that relationship with God.
Are we all in or not? I'm trying. I get distracted too, just like you guys do. But every once in a while, we need to focus on what is really important. Uh, Vicki, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that when you got sick recently, that you did a reevaluation of what was really important in your life. I mean, isn't that kind of the process when you get really sick? What's really important to you? Well, there's nothing more important than where you're going to go when you leave here. That's number one. And I think number two, for me and most people, is are the people that I love in this life, are they going to make the same journey? And we're gonna, we should be willing to take as many people as we can with us. There will be, um, I'm, I'm a big believer in rewards. There will be crowns in your, there will be jewels in your crown for all the people that you help get to Christ. He ultimately does the saving, not you. But he does use us as individuals to communicate his gospel message. And who wouldn't want to tell that truth? It's great news. It's the best news ever. And why we are silent about it amazes me. But even me, Gregorius, people, person that I am, sometimes I am tight-lipped when I really should be talking to somebody about their faith. Let's pray and ask that God help us to do it better. Father, we ask you that you bless us. Father, we know that we are sinners. We also know that we are Gentiles and that you included us. We thank you for including us too. And I pray, Father, that you will just continue to bless our church as we seek to serve you in this community, as we seek to communicate your gospel in this community. May you be honored and glorified through our lives. Father, help us to be totally committed to you with all of our heart and with all of our soul. May our lives, may our businesses, may our families bring you honor and glory. We thank you for the privilege of being your children. As we pray today, we pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What are we going to sing?